At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Good morning, Tam Tam. How are you doing today? It's been an interesting couple of days, couple mm-hmm. of weeks, couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our podcast is normally fun, funny, informative, but I feel like right now we need to be talking about the hard issues and the things that are going on with our kids mm-hmm. and the world. And we need to talk to experts in their fields who can mm-hmm. share, shine a light on everything that's going on so that our viewers can can hear what are good strategies and good things to do for our children and for Mm. ourselves. So because of that, we have Dr. Kevin Simon, who's a a board certified, (laughs) I told you I was going to mess it up, psychiatrist, who's going to talk to us about all the things that we need to know about our kids and Mm. um, help us and, and get some perspective that might not be the same as we have. So thank you so much for being here and chatting with us today. Yeah, yes. no, no, no problem. And it's a uh, board certified. Psychiatrist. Oh my God. Why can I say that? Can I say it again? I, I kept thinking the word C like cer- certified board, board right, certified. Right, say that right. 10 times. Kevin. <laughs> I won't. Um, no, thank, thank you. Thank you ladies for yeah. having me on. Thank you. Um, you know, we're really, as Tamman mentioned, you know, there's a lot that's gone on, um, especially in this past week. Um, we're all seeing images on the on the television and things that are happening in our neighborhoods, in our communities, all across the country right now. Um, and we're all just trying to digest what we're seeing. And and as painful as it is, and as as crazy as things are right now, you know, we're hoping you can kind of help us navigate um, how we are, how we're doing, and and the best coping skills that we, that we can have. Um, but Tam and I are moms, so we have very young children. Um, under six years old, um, you know, you do your best as a, as a parent to protect your children and, and, but you also want to be honest with them about things that are going on, but still digestible for their age, you know, mm-hmm. um, how do we navigate this with, with, with our kids? How much is too much to tell them? What, what do we tell them? What do we show them? You know, can you help us a little bit in that? In that yeah, way? no, no, it's, it's a great question. So, uh, working with the PD population is like, what I do 90% of the time. Um, and so you said under six years under old. Six. Mine's, mine's six and a half. Yeah. Okay. She's, she's the, the, the one that comes the first month into school and Roxy's right, like the right, last right, month right, before right. the next yeah. year. So they're really like a year apart. Yes. Um, yeah. but yeah, they're young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so really, um, it, it really depends on, you know, how much you've already been exposing them to, different concepts, right? Mm-hmm. So as technically as early as six months of age, um, kids obviously can recognize different colors, patterns, right? And mm-hmm. so the concept that we're different because of what we look like mm-hmm. um, actually won't be that novel to your kids, even at six years old, uh, because when they're in pre-K, uh, when they're in their daycare, they're, they're obviously already engaging with people that probably look different from them. Um, but specific to the events that are happening, for instance, um, and I actually don't know where you ladies are, but, um, you know, if, Los Angeles, if Los Angeles. Yeah. If they're seeing people on the news, um, you know, and, and they're kind of asking, Oh, well, why are there so many people outside? Why are people protesting? Not that they would use those words. Um, 
it would be a great opportunity to kind of break things down in simple terms about, you know, there are good people and there are bad people. And the people that are right now walking outside are trying to make sure that, you know, good people are promoted, good people are highlighted. Um, the concept of racism itself mm -hmm. is obviously quite abstract. And so it, it would be difficult for a uh, five or six year old to like fully understand, but you could introduce the idea that some people aren't given, you know, advantages because of what they look like. And I think mm. you could use very simple, you know, cookie or um, play items and you can teach your kids the concepts related to advantages or privilege and disadvantages. What is the top telltale signs that your kid is not coping in, in, in Oh, this? so, uh, even before this tech, like this weekend and, mm -hmm. and all the things related to like George Floyd, mm -hmm. um, obviously you've been existing within COVID, um, mm -hmm. and the pandemic and stay at home advisories. And there's a number of parents that I work with who are saying that exact point, like my kid seemingly is, you know, off the wire. Mm -hmm. um, and so what, what generally happens in stressful times is children regress. Mm -hmm. And so that's true. Your mm -hmm. kid might be six, but then all of a sudden they're acting like they're four years old again. Um, and so they might be a little bit more clingy to mommy mm -hmm. to yeah. tell you, oh, you know, I'm afraid of, you know, something that, that seemingly they had gotten over before. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, they're wanting you to tuck them in at night. Not to say that you don't do that already, mm -hmm. but they're, they're, they will start to ask you things that seemingly, let's say six months ago, mm. you're like, oh, we, we got over this phase, but now it's coming back. So, so generally, if you start to see a little bit of regression, mm -hmm. that's a sign that your kid's under stress. The other sign that, that is problematic is um, obviously a lot of people are trying to do, you know, online learning, um, mm -hmm. kids who are four or five, six um, cannot sit, um, readily. we have to sit with them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we are the teachers. It's our lives right now is just exactly. sitting with our kids. Exactly. And so what you might find is that they're a little bit more fussy. Mm. Um, they, they, they can't where previously where they could be in front of their iPad for 30 minutes. Um, all of a sudden that the stress tolerance for them is a little bit lower. And so you see that, oh, maybe only 15 minutes in and all of a sudden she, she or he's asking for snacks. He or she's asking to try to go somewhere that they're, that they're not supposed to go to. Mm -hmm. So, so again, regression is number one. Mm -hmm. And then two, there, there will be these subtle signs that your kids already displayed when they weren't feeling their best, but now it's just happening more often. Because again, when you tell kids they're, they're confined to the home mm -hmm. or they can't see their friends or they can't participate in these extracurricular activities, presuming that they were older kids, mm -hmm. um, those kids are a lot more stressed. And then my high school um, age kids, mm -hmm. the first two weeks, they're like, oh yeah, this is awesome. I don't want to be in school anyway. A month in, they're like, Dr. Simon, I want to get the hell out of this house. Like, I, 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 I'd like I'm to over my parents. Yes. Exactly. I'm, I'm over my parents. Um, and then the, the other challenge that's happening, and, and I'm probably answering some questions you may ask me, but is school systems aren't equipped for this, right? So I've had mm -hmm. a couple of students tell me, oh, I'm not even, I'm just doing the bare minimum because my school has transitioned to just being pass fail. So mm, it, it makes no right. difference for me to, to do extra work. I'm just going to uh -huh. do the bare minimum and that's it. Now that's problematic because some parents are, you know, high achievers, tiger moms saying, well, I want you to do better, but kids are like, well, why should why? I, why mm -hmm. should I, why should I give extra effort when the reality is if I just give what's the bare minimum, they're going to matriculate me to next grade anyway. What what makes me really scared is my daughter is um, really afraid for the virus to be over, mm. which is an interesting one because you would think the kids are like, you know, when can I go play with my friends? When can I right. go and do things and eat ice cream and be out and play? And for me, my daughter 
has always been a little clingy mm-hmm. and she loves the fact that we have a, a, a new child, <laughs> a new child. Um, she's one and a half. And the fact that we're a family every single day and she gets to spend so much quality time with us. She doesn't want that to end because both right. me and my husband have jobs. And, um, so that's what worries me when this is over. And also I, I have a, a little bit of social anxiety. So I love the fact that she I can like do, this. I'm like, she I can have this. parties at home. <laughs> I can have meetings. My work is still going on. I don't actually right, have to right, go right. anywhere. Right. So that's what I'm worried about mentally is like, so when this is over, how are we going to adapt back to semi-normal life when we've been kind of confined for the last 90 days. Right. So, so to your point about social anxiety, I, I, I have patients that are absolutely loving. loving. (laughs) I'm fine. She will continue. She will continue to quarantine once the quarantine is over. Dr. Kevin. It's been great for me. It's been really great. My anxiety is like almost to zero. It's so true. Um, But, but to, to kids like your daughter who are like, I, I enjoy being with mom. I enjoy being with daddy. Again, this is going to be a, a difficult decision for school systems is how do you reintroduce? Cause the reality is honestly putting my doc, my doctor hat on for a second mm-hmm. um, for us to actually fully re-engage into society in a similar fashion that we did say six months ago, mm-hmm. there either has to be appropriate treatment for if someone uh, contracts SARS COVID-2 which turns into COVID at the full disease, um, or we get a vaccine. Otherwise, this thing is just going to be consistently present and around. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to try to do the things that, that we do, right? So I have a mask here. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have five and six-year-olds, most of them are not going to be wearing mm-hmm. masks. Um, mm-hmm. Some parents are not going to be comfortable with the idea of, well, this virus is still around, and now you're going to have 20 plus kids in a classroom with one teacher. Um, so there, to, there may be like a staged um, classroom setup where half the kids come on Monday, Tuesdays, half the kids come on mm-hmm. Thursday, Fridays, mm-hmm. Wednesday, Wednesdays used for the deep clean. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but honestly, we're probably not going to return back to, you know, November or September, 2019 this upcoming September where kids are just full throttle in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so to your daughter's point, we'll have to figure out ways to slowly reintroduce the idea of being social and what that looks like. Cause it's actually going to look quite different come fall of 2020. Mm. You know, uh, actually going back to the points um, of what, what's transpired, particularly this week, um, you know, my daughter has sort of caught glimpses. We're trying to kind of not show her a lot of what's going on on television as far as like the, the things that are going on. Um, but she's caught glimpses here and there. And she woke me up two mornings ago and said, mommy, she goes, the earth isn't safe anymore, is it? And it just broke my heart because, you know, as a parent, you want to protect and, you know, keep your kids close and not have them experience these things. And I also, but I also don't want to lie to her. So it's like that struggle. And so I found myself, I mean, I, I guess I did fib a little bit. You know, I said 100% safe, you know, you're fine. I wanted to reassure her so she doesn't, you know, get scared. But was that the right thing to do? Was it, should I have been more honest with her, you know? I mean, in, in the moment, right? So if it's, and again, I don't know what time she came in, into your bedroom. Um, in the moment, you want to reassure your kids. You do want to validate their feelings, right? So. Oh, you're scared. Okay. You know, mommy was scared too. Mm-hmm. Um, daddy and mommy had a conversation or mommy talked to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be okay. Um, you do want to validate what they're feeling because you don't want to be dismissive of your kids if they're scared, if they're crying, if they're anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of how you reframe what mm-hmm. they're feeling, mm-hmm. you should acknowledge and say, you know, there again, you know, baby girl, there mm-hmm. are there are good people in the world and those good people are fighting for you and me. Mm-hmm. Right. There, there are doctors who are trying to find the vaccine. There are lawyers who are trying to make sure that everybody has, you know, equal access. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there are a lot of good people out there in the world, baby girl, that are really working for us. Mm, OK. This is a, a little bit of a divert, but I wanted to ask 
a doctor this, but what is COVID-19? Like what parts of the body does it really attack? Because I've heard so many different Mm -hmm. accounts of like, well, COVID is like, it's, it's like a lung, it's a lung issue and it's a virus that gets Mm -hmm. like, it's like pneumonia. And then I've heard that it's got nothing to do with that. And it's more to do with the blood. So what exactly is it? And how can you actually get it? Because there's so many conflicting ideas of like, is it really through touch of Mm -hmm. your computer and somebody else touches a door handle or is it really through, can the droplets make you sick if you're running across the street from someone? I think I'm just so confused about the actual virus and what I, how I can really protect myself and my kids because Mm -hmm. it seems conflicting. Yeah. It it presents itself in so many different ways because in one case we're hearing, you know, it's, it's respiratory and then, you know, somebody else has it on the skin and it's just, the presentations are so diverse. So, so, COVID-19 is the full form disease. Mm-hmm. The SARS-CoV-2 is the actual virus. So when we're, when we're mer- wearing masks, mm-hmm. I am trying to prevent, presumably if, if I happen to have the SARS-CoV-2 virus, I'm trying to prevent that from getting to you. And so the, so the mask prevents at least 70% of natural particles from from reaching someone else and which is why they also say you should be six feet um or more apart right now if you do actually get the virus the virus and and um Tamin, you you mentioned uh the droplets so mm-hmm. then technically we should be wearing masks and goggles mm-hmm. and the reason for this is the virus wants to enter through mucosal areas and Mm -hmm. so mucosal your lips are mucosal your tongue is mucosal and technically your eyes are mucosal Mm -hmm. and so the reason we're always asked to wash our hands is our skin is keratinized i'm sure you've heard that Mm -hmm. phrase via um, beauty salons right Mm -hmm. so your skin's keratinized the virus can live on your skin and not enter your skin Hmm. But the issue is, we really, as you're doing right now, you're touching your face. I touch my face <gasps> all the time. put your hands down. The time. <laughs> put your hands all down. The time. It's always in my because uh, I wear nope. glasses, I'm itching right. my eyeballs and oh, my no. ears and right. my right. sniffing and whatever. And so, I'm constantly... You always touch your face. Oh, I do. Put your I hand down. Again. Put your sit on your hand. Touch my hair. Sit down. Put your sit on your hand. Just hang them out to dry. Yeah. So, yeah. So, your ear is an ear something that I can go no, into. No, no, no. Okay, so, you're fine. So your, your, skin, your skin's keratinized, your ears are keratinized. Mm-hmm. But the reason you want to wash your hands all the time is again, we just routinely touch our face. Mm-hmm. And so this like T zone mm-hmm. is like super attracted to allowing particles to climb up into mm-hmm. the corner of the eye bud and they get into the eyes come down into your mouth. And so it's just good hygiene to consistently wash your hands because you could be tracking the virus on your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so now what happens when that virus actually enters your body, it will enter through the bloodstream. And so there are areas where you're more susceptible or certain mm-hmm. organs. So classically, you're going to hear about the lung manifestation of the disease. Because mm-hmm. generally, if someone has like asthma or a pulmonary condition, Mm -hmm. they're going to have worse symptoms than someone who has generally good, good lung function. Mm -hmm. Um, But it can manifest with a number of other symptoms, right? So they've talked about loss of taste. They've talked about blood clotting. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so the, so the virus doesn't attack just one, one, one body part. It attacks the whole body Mm -hmm. and we give an inflammatory or an immune response. And it's that immune response that you're hearing about, oh, people are coughing or people are having difficulty with their heart. It's the immune response to the virus. And generally we've never been exposed to this virus. And so our body actually doesn't really know how to react to it in a way like it does the flu where you can get it, immune response, we, the flu goes away mm-hmm. and you're good. Some people get a flu vaccine, some people don't, right? This, this SARS-CoV-2 Mm-hmm. We have not had this before. Mm-hmm. So, so this is why it's so novel and why it actually has a very high spread rate. 
So again, mm-hmm. why we're asking people to wash hands, mm-hmm. wear a mask, because unlike um, other, your, your common cold, I might be asymptomatic, mm-hmm. right? So I could have the virus, not the disease. And here it is, I'm spreading the virus out mm-hmm. to people who might be immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it, it's why, again, the mask is super duper important um, and why you should be washing hands. And you're doing a great job, Tamara. Of not touching. I really don't touch my face right now. Don't do it. Every time it comes out, I'm like, don't do (laughs) it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, um, question wanted to ask you, um, also kind of going back to this past week with, um, the gatherings, you know, we've seen a large number of people together protesting, gathering, um, is the, yeah, is the COVID now going to explode? Like, are we going to have like a big surge in COVID cases because some people are wearing masks Some people are shaking hands. Some people are not wearing masks. You know, it's, sort of all over the place. So, so I'm in Boston uh, mm-hmm. with one of these academic institutions here. And there is suggestions that in about two to three weeks, we're going to see a, a, a bump up yeah, in like. the, the mm-hmm. COVID cases. Because again, although people are protesting and they have their shirt up, mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't. And then the other tragic thing is that uh, Law enforcement is using like pepper bullets and, and mm-hmm. pepper sprays. And, and what's going to happen when people do that? There are going to be asymptomatic people uh-huh. who are exposed now to this pepper. And what they're going to they're going to start <coughs> uh, coughing. coughing. Think about oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. And so there, there are likely probably several hundred people who have the virus. Mm-hmm. are asymptomatic, don't really know that they have it. And mm-hmm. now they're going to be spreading that. So it's so uh, likely... Sh- in two to three weeks, you're going to see a bump up in some of those major cities like Atlanta, mm-hmm. uh, Minneapolis, that uh, Houston, where where mm-hmm. the, the virus and protests are. Why is this okay. virus so dangerous? Why is mm-hmm. it different than other viruses? I mean, so, it just seems like this the mortality rate is so high. Mm-hmm. Or is it just that we're hearing about it so much that we think it's higher than, say, let's say the flu? So for so if you go back a couple of years, at one point in time, you might have heard of MERS. Mm-hmm. Um, virus. So this virus is, is unique in that it jumped from an animal model or an animal product to a human product um, mm-hmm. or humans. And so again, because generally viruses should not jump from species to species, this mm-hmm. is it, it's legitimately like a, a fiction movie that you mm-hmm. would see. Like Contagion. Mm-hmm. Yes. Was, that was a pig, right? right? right. <laughs> yeah. oh, believe me, I watched all my yes. virus movies in this <laughs> Outbreak. <laughs> and, and so we're, and the like National Institutes of Health, we're trying to create, or, or that the national health systems are trying to create vaccines for conditions that we, that we humans are aware that we have. Mm-hmm. So when something gets introduced from another species, you're asking a whole set of systems to now go back to the drawing board mm-hmm. to now recreate antibodies, recreate animal models where we can test it. So the fact that like even we have uh, vaccine trials occurring now, mm-hmm. this is happening at a, at, a, at a speed and a rate that's never been seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that I, like, I am hoping and praying that the vaccine works. But mm-hmm. you got to think about how many other conditions that are viral in nature mm-hmm. we don't have vaccines for. HIV, yeah. Exactly, yeah. HIV. Mm-hmm. And, and at the time in the peak of the HIV epidemic, they were saying, oh, hey, we're going to try to create a vaccine. So, again, this could be around for a very long time because making a vaccine means that you have to make antibodies that respond to the virus but then the antibodies remain in your system, ready and waiting for mm-hmm. if it if that virus comes back, right? So chickenpox is a virus. Many people have had chickenpox. It's known if you get chickenpox, maybe later in life you have shingles, but mm-hmm. in your body is circulating antibodies mm-hmm. for the chickenpox virus. Mm-hmm. It, it's not the same for 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 I was gonna say MERS for for COVID mm-hmm. because we have not been exposed to it yet. Literally, you know, I, as a as a as a world, mm-hmm. before January uh, slash December twenty nineteen, COVID was not a thing. You know, at, at the beginning of COVID, or when we first started hearing about it, we were hearing more that it attacked the elderly and immune compromised. But now we're hearing reports of COVID attacking children and specifically giving them 
some a, a disease similar to Kawasaki syndrome where it attacks their heart. How much, I mean, is that something we need to be very fearful of right now? Is that something that's very rare? Um, can you speak to that a little so, bit? No, so, so I can. So I work in a children's hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say is, one, be in direct contact with your pediatrician. That's, that should be your first line mm-hmm. of defense. Um, with regards to the similarities between COVID response and Kawasaki. So again, Kawasaki is another virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so viruses in, in the PD population, they're doing the same response that they're doing for adults, mm-hmm. except kids are, in, in some cases, have never, again, have never really been exposed to any of these viruses, which is kind of why it's important for children to get vaccines. Mm-hmm. It's you want to do micro dosing of virus particles so that way the body has a response system. But again, this is now a new novel virus. It's getting introduced and you're seeing the inflammatory response. You're seeing the cardiac response. You're seeing the pulmonary response. You're seeing blood clots. Mm-hmm. So there are a number of like larger national um, children's hospitals where we are seeing an uptick in the number of kids that are COVID positive. Now, I can say that the positive about kids is they tend to obviously be more healthy than the older population. Mm-hmm. And so while we're seeing a lot, of, I shouldn't say a lot, while we're seeing some cases of COVID positive or SARS-CoV-2 positive children, mm-hmm. we're not seeing as bad of a devastation in the pediatric population. So while they are getting it, they're not dying at the rate that the elderly population is. Okay. Okay. How do you think they're going to, well, what do you think is the best way to open schools then? I mean, how are we going to do this? Are we going to be back in school in September? Is it a mistake? Um, I, I, if I was a betting person, um, Mm -hmm. I would bet that we would not be open in Uh September of 2020. Um, Because again, we, in different states, they close in a, in a phased fashion. Say, oh, well, we shouldn't crowd with more than 50 people. Then it got down to 10 people. Mm-hmm. And even now, as we're reopening, technically, if you like look at CDC guidelines, it'll say you shouldn't have more than 10 people around. It's why even currently now for funerals, you shouldn't have more than 10 people at a funeral. And that's- an no, one will, more, no more than 10 would be at mine, so don't you worry about that. <laughs> people. I'm like, that'll be so, fine. We'll be good. I, I, I think for school systems, again, I think if, if they want, they, they're going to have to be dynamic in how they think about reintroducing students into the classroom. And some school systems are not going to be able to do this, but you're going to have to have a smaller teacher student ratio, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it'd be one thing if you could have a classroom of 10 and each kid literally has their own space within mm-hmm. the classroom. But most school systems and school districts aren't set up that way where they have at least 25 students to a classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 it's really challenging because then now you're asking a school, like who would be responsible for the kid getting sick? Mm-hmm. And how do you do con- contact tracing? There, there's a lot of public health factors that we haven't put into place where I think, honestly, resuming school would be just very challenging. So, so for instance, I, I know for sure that the medical schools that, that I teach at, mm-hmm. they've already told the, the incoming freshman class, mm-hmm. oh, for the fall, we're doing remote learning. Now, these are adult wow. learners, but I, so I, I just can't see how a school system with, you know, four or five-year-olds or middle school people, you know, middle school kids telling them to, hey, you know, keep keep safe distance right um when you're when you're walking through the hallways how do you keep a safe distance Mm -hmm. um so so i generally i don't see school systems at least certainly not under college colleges might be able to hey if you have a symptom get checked very quickly and do contract tracing because you're you're an adult Mm -hmm. or near near adult but high schools and middle schools and elementary schools, it, it's going to be a lot, a lot tougher um, to, to do that safely. You know, children, especially in the age that our kids are, young kids, thrive on that social, you know, interaction with their friends and they miss that and they need that. But 
If we are in this position come the fall and going into this, how do we emotionally and mentally prepare our children to yet go maybe even for another year of remote learning? How do we do that? And does so, it ultimately affect them too? Like, yeah. or do you think that they bounce back? So you, you, you ladies are asking like tough questions. Uh, <laughs> Putting you on the spot there, I know. Kevin. We're like, tell us everything. Need the hard answers, <laughs> and you better know the answer. Yes, you know. We're like, please no, leave me alone. No, no so, so I mean, there, there is evidence that social isolation over time is. Um, challenging and detrimental um, to kids' mental well-being. So you, you're going to have to be strategic and smart about, okay, how do we have a safe play date? How do yeah, we have yeah. safe, you know, so like I know a lot of families that say, oh, you know, five o'clock, the sun's setting down. Uh, we go outside and we allow our kids to play together, but they still have to keep their distance. Um, so, so you're going to have to definitely become creative and on your own, right? So we, we are in America, you can do things on your own. On your own, you, you're gonna have to be strategic about saying, okay, hey, you know what? We're gonna go over to the Simons. Mm -hmm. um, are you guys like good? Has anyone had a fever? Mm -hmm. um, and you're gonna have to make some decisions about, okay, here's a family that I feel comfortable with, right? So, mm -hmm. oh, your cousins can come over mm -hmm. or your aunt can come over. Um, you just wouldn't wanna be doing that on a regular basis introducing too many people because then again if someone gets sick you don't really know well wh where was you know point person a um so so you're gonna have to be strategic now the long-term consequences right. of this um it really depends on how we respond um th there are there's evidence from trauma cases where again people are isolated this is a little bit different because, you know, kids are still with their parents. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I think what you'll find most difficult is trying to, let's just say this were to last another year, mm -hmm. trying to reintegrate kids into school will be very challenging. To, to That's say, what's okay, happening with my child. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To she say, doesn't want to go to school. Right. To say you have to go back into school. Mm. You have to learn. You, you, you have to, because again, how, on average, how long would you say, so So, if your kids aren't actively in, in pre-K because they're, they're pretty young or kindergarten, for, for, for parents and friends of yours, how, how long do you think the average school day is now? It's nine to three, yeah. but we with us, it's nine, nine to 11, and then they have right. a break, and then we do like one till 2.30. Yeah. Right. So, so, may, so maybe two, maybe four hours. There's, there's a recent study that just came out polling mm -hmm. parents across the nation and it really depends socioeconomically. If you may, if your family mm -hmm. makes over a hundred thousand dollars a year, your kids are actually spending about three hours per day in online learning. If mm -hmm. you've made less than a hundred thousand dollars a year, which is uh, quite a bit of families, mm -hmm. you're actually getting maybe a day, maybe two days of perhaps an hour to two hours of actual learning. So again, imagine you, you went from previously an eight hour day of school, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. truncate that now to maybe an hour. Some kids who don't have internet or Wi-Fi mm -hmm. are really not in school. Mm -hmm. And if that projects for another year to now reintegrate back up to eight hours, it, it, it wouldn't be possible. So you're gonna have to do a, a, a strategic stage like graduated re-education. So, okay, we're gonna, you know, for September, October, mm -hmm. November, we're gonna do school for four hours a day. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the new year. Okay, January 4, we're gonna do five hours a day. You, you have to build, you have to get, you have to build the kids back up. Mm -hmm. You can't go for a year, two years, having really little education um, and, and prolonged duration of education to then expect kids to say, Okay, yeah, mom, I'm ready to go for six, eight hours. Then, Did then, you say two then, years? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just like, I, I stopped listening to everything you said after you said, well, they're going to have like not that much education for, I was like, excuse me, excuse, that, say that again. Sorry, so, the three months has been enough. I said to my husband, I was like, you know what? I haven't been that great. This is the last week of school. And he's like, you know what? Three months, you've been a school teacher. You know what? You're just done with it all. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. I'm done with it all. Two years, I'm only going to be done with it. The, the, re the reason I say two years 
um, the, the most recent iteration mm-hmm. of this we've had is the Spanish flu of 1918 mm-hmm. and that lasted two years. So that, so that, uh, so that in my mind, it's a is marker the, the sort two of year benchmark. Yeah. Um, you know, um, there's been, you know, my daughter, we've been trying to talk to her about, she knows about the virus. I mean, she doesn't, you know, it's still sort of abstract to her. But I have noticed that she's asked more questions about death. Um, You know, am I going to die? Are you going to die? Is coronavirus going to kill us? You know, how do we answer these questions for our kids? So so your your kids are are what we would call like five and six. So so this is actually where those questions would normally be arising, because there's Mm going to be hopefully not in your family, but there's going to be grandma or grandpa passes away or a family pet passes away Mm -hmm. and they're going to now know the finality of death Mm -hmm. before. So when they're younger, it's like maybe people can come back when Mm -hmm. they die. Mm -hmm. But when you turn at five, six years old, you start to recognize, Oh wait, mommy's sad. Why is mommy sad? Oh wait, grandma's not here. Mm -hmm. And so they, 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 they will start to, ask those questions Mm -hmm. and so you can just you can be very frank with them that no you know mommy's safe daddy's safe Mm -hmm. uh you know we go to the doctor we get a checkup if you want to buy them a little play stethoscope you can say oh Mm -hmm. listen to mommy's heart Mm -hmm. um doesn't it sound beating fast and that can kind of you know soothe them older but this would be the appropriate age for them to be recognizing the finality of death Mm -hmm. um because again pre-covid there's going to be some something within a family member or a, a, an extended relative that would happen that they would now know and recognize it as a, a singular event that this person doesn't come back. Mm-hmm. And what about am I going to die? Like when it's that question, what do you say? Yeah. Yes, I am one day. Sorry. <laughs> or like, Sorry. My daughter says, like, you have gray hair. I'm like, that's just because of quarantine. This is not the situation that you should be seeing right now. She's like, are you going to die? You have gray hair. I'm like, I just need to get to the hairdresser. Or even even when they say, like, about themselves, am I going to die, you know? Right. So what you want, what you would want to do, and and you all, you're not child psychiatrist, but you'd want to ask them, do they think like what, like how come that question came up? Right. Mm-hmm. Do they think they're going to, mm-hmm. what, what do you think that, that what is death? What, what is the afterlife? What is heaven? Mm-hmm. Um, it would be an opportunity to engage them in questions rather than just feed them the answer. Like, no, you're not going to uh-huh. actually engage them mm-hmm. in. Well, what, what do you think? Like, mm-hmm. why did that come up? And they, they can tell you, Oh, I heard that on, you know, Billy's phone. It's like, Oh, well, Okay, maybe we shouldn't have Billy hanging around anymore. But you, you can, you can. Billy's you can, bad. <laughs> you can, you can engage them in. What? Well, where did that come from? Where did that question come from? Um, and when you allow them to have some ownership and autonomy, you can then actually appropriately answer them, right? But if you just say no, you're you're safe. Mm-hmm. You're you're then shutting down their learning opportunity. Uh, what about talking to our children right now about race and what's going on mm. in the world? And, you know, I was upset at myself because it's taken, you know, five and a half, six years to actually have a deep discussion with her about race and right. about why we Oh, we have white privilege and what that means. And she was confused. You know, she said, well, I'm peach. And I was like, that's, that's nice. <laughs> and I was saying to Roxy, like she does, it's not that she doesn't see color. She sees color. It just doesn't mean anything to her. Right. Um, right. So how do we start those conversations mm-hmm. and, and help them on the right path? Like, what do right. we say? Mm-hmm. So I, I think one, your own acknowledgement that, Wow. Like, why did it take? Why didn't I? Why didn't, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So one, acknowledging your own place in space within the world of, of race, racism um, is the first step because you can't obviously have a conversation if you don't understand it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, now, once you've acknowledged where you are and you're now trying to explain the differences that some people experience. So she says she's peach. You say, okay. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. 
you know, whether that's dolls or friends that she has, you, you should overtly say some people get privileges that some other kids don't only because of their skin color, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then you can, you can pose, you can play games with them, right? Would it be fair if, you know, you always got two scoops of ice cream and Janet only got one scoop of ice cream just because of how you looked, mm-hmm. right? Like if you pose that as a question, mm-hmm. your kid could say, um, well, I mean, I like two scoops of ice cream. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> But, Do I have to share? Yeah, like maybe we should use like a doll. Ice cream's a hard one. Right. And, and, but you you would allow them to be making this kind of like tough decisions to say, like, would it be fair? Mm-hmm. And and so what you want to explain about racism is racism and a lot of systems are not fair. Right. Mm-hmm. So it could be, you know, if if they happen to have a sibling, you could say, Well, do you like it when, you know, um your brother always gets you know, his option for pancakes? No, why? Because that's not fair. Some people don't get an opportunity for fairness because of how they look, right? Some people are peach, some people are brown, some people are ruby red. What, like, so you have to play these games that are speaking to their level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if it is something that she really likes, like ice cream, right? You know, you pick her favorite, her favorite flavor, strawberry. And you say, well, you know what? Only, only kids who are not peach get to have two scoops of ice cream. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. And she, she would be like, no, that's not fair, mommy. And, and then you can, again, you, you'd be having a conversation at her level where she's clearly not going to be, you know, running for, for a political office. Right. Well, you don't know she's pretty smart. <laughs> I <think> she's... <laughs> high iq okay you you could be you could be having that conversation um and so you would encourage your kid to be the person who is fair in their classroom or be the the person that is fair amongst their friends and the best thing that you can also do is make sure granted we're in social isolation but make sure that your social network is diverse Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that's so, what Roxy and I were saying. Ours is. And so we think we're doing our part because we're like, my daughter's godmother is from Nairobi and right. we have our school is, is all about um, being socially di- like, diversity. You know, yeah. It's all about right. diversity. Right. And so we think we're doing our part, but we're not because we're not having those conversations mm-hmm. with our kids and we're not pointing it out. So I think that's, that's the thing that really got me of what you said mm-hmm. is like, we're not making a point of when things aren't just and they're not fair because right. we think mm-hmm. that she sees it and she should just know. Right. And the, the, the other easy, like low hanging fruit, there are, you know, I'm, I'm, I would be guessing that you all are reading books with your kids. There mm-hmm. are books that talk about racism that are mm-hmm. age appropriate for mm-hmm. a five and six year old. You, if, again, if, it, if it's five years before you recognize that, hey, I haven't had this conversation, it's likely five years where when you're in the bookstore or you're on, on Google or Amazon, you're not necessarily directing your attention to those books or those catalogs of books, mm-hmm. but those are available too. And that those books aren't talking about immediately talking about MLK or immediately talking about um, Malcolm X, but they're talking about it in soft ways that let people and kids understand that there are differences that are not fair. What are your thoughts about people who bring their children to the protests? Are you in support of that? Are you not supportive of that? What is your feeling on that? That would be challenging. So Mm -hmm. one you see the, the the consequences of what's happening at some of the protests, right? So whether that's um, some people who are engaging in more than just like uh, peaceful protests, like you probably would not want to be exposing your kids to that because mm-hmm. um, that just itself is a, a traumatic experience, right? So mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, cars pushing through people. I've seen mm-hmm. people being pushed. Um, so I would, I generally would say, if your kid is, you know, pre-adolescent, you, you probably want to think twice before, mm-hmm. hey, we're all going to go do this as a family. Now, mm-hmm. if you know for sure, somehow, some way that this is 100% peaceful and you're walking a few blocks 
and then your your V cutting back home, mm-hmm. that's one thing. But if if there's any sign that there's imminent danger possibly to your mm-hmm. kids or to yourself, I would certainly advise against bringing your kids to, to a protest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you explain the, mm-hmm. the protests to them and yeah. like the looting and the, the buildings that are, you know, being put on fire? Like, how do you explain? Because to protest is is our rights and to peacefully protest is a wonderful thing. How do you explain that part of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's challenging um, because one, a protest inherently is something that people don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so whether you're peacefully protesting like King and them did in civil rights era, just peacefully protesting at a, at a kitchen counter and people are spitting at them and throwing pies at them, um, you know, kneeling like Kaepernick was doing, mm-hmm. I guess, like three years ago now mm-hmm. um people are tend to be up in arms when someone is protesting for any mm. particular reason when you then cross over into even amongst people who protest there are going to be these small fractions of people mm-hmm. that you know go to the extreme and mm-hmm. they break into a store or they burn something on fire again this is this is why the, the last question I was saying, you'd want to be cautious about what your kids are exposed to um, and why you probably would want to limit the pre-adolescent in being around that. Because uh, again, that, that's, that's just a traumatic experience. So what I would say, um, I would say try to limit the exposure that your kids have to viewing that because okay. uh, that tends to be in your control, right? So like, what are you watching when your kids are up? Um, and so I'm, I'm telling a lot of people that you should one for yourself, but then two for your family, actually take a break mm-hmm. from social media, mm-hmm. from the internet, from the news stations, because whether it's MSNBC, CNN, Fox, they're all showing the same cycles of information. Mm-hmm. And so you can mitigate the opportunity that your kids have to see that negative behavior Mm-hmm. Um, by again limiting what what they're exposed to and and going to a park or going to your backyard mm-hmm. um, if they do see it and you're trying to formally explain what it is you can say you know when when people are hurt and a lot of people in this country dar- darling have been hurt um, they sometimes hurt other people or they sometimes mm-hmm. get really mad and they get frustrated mm-hmm. um, and you know, it sounds like you two have girls, but mm-hmm. for those that have boys, um, I'm sure most families can talk about the raging six-year-old who breaks his, you know, video game controller. He doesn't girls do that too. <laughs> <laughs> or at least right? mine does. Right? You can say, you know, just like when, and, and you would bring, you would bring that example up. Remember mm-hmm. when you broke your TV or remember mm-hmm. when you broke your toy and you were really upset? Yeah, some people are really upset right now and they're breaking their their own property. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be a way where you can parallel it and they can say, oh, I, I remember when I was mad. Yeah, I was mad, mommy, because you didn't give me an extra you know, scoop of ice cream. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so it, it, it allows them to parallel it without just plain, placing the blame only on the people that are doing this quote unquote deviant behavior. Cause again, even as, as yourself at six, you mm-hmm. did something that you wouldn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are people who are grown ups that sometimes they do what they don't want to do because they're really, really upset. Mm-hmm. Do you foresee um, children, especially when they see these images that they too could get even something like PTSD from this, or if they see kind of like, you know, things going on in the news, do you, does that happen so, with the children? Yeah. Yeah, so so kids definitely experience PTSD. Okay. Um, so so there's about there are several criteria that are required to mm-hmm. have PTSD, mm-hmm. and before PTSD, there's something called acute stress disorder, acute stress mm-hmm. reaction. Um, and again, this would be why you'd want to mitigate having kids exposed to um, protests that can have these these instances happen. Mm-hmm. Um, if so, so when I have a kid and I'm asking them without their parent in the room, mm-hmm. um, has anyone ever hit you? Has everyone ever hit mom? Has anyone ever hit dad? Has anyone ever touched you mm-hmm. where you're, where you, you know, you, they're not supposed to. 
um, have you ever seen someone um, die? Like those those things fit into criteria of if you're exposed to it, it can be a traumatic experience. How would you know it's traumatic for your kid if they keep bringing it up? If it starts to become something that they're kind of having flashbacks or memories of, right? So they're telling you that they can't sleep because they're thinking about, again, they can't sleep because they're thinking about the dog that died. It's like, okay, well, that that clearly was a, a important person to you or important animal to you. If, if someone sees that kind of trauma, um, in, in with regards to the protest, mm-hmm. how are they responding? Do they now start to be a little bit more physical than they used to be? Right. So there, there are subtle things. And, and if you had real concern that your kids had been exposed to trauma and that their behavior, their typical behaviors are changing in a way that is concerning. So that's, that tends to be one of the other criteria that we always think about is, is what you're experiencing making it challenging for you to go about what you're supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. So as an adult, if I, if I meet and I have met patients that have trauma, that trauma makes it hard for them to, you know, I, I've had vets. That trauma makes it hard for them to go to the restaurant. Why? Because there's too many people. Why? Because it's noisy. Why? Because they've been ambushed before. So they don't like the idea of people behind them. So they have to always have to sit by the wall. If I had a kid and it's like kids tend to, you know, push each other, play with each other mm-hmm. on, on the jungle gym or whatever. If I had a kid that always seemingly went, you know, like lost his top because mm-hmm. someone pushed him, I'd, I'd start to think, oh, had that been something that he or she had been exposed to before? And so th- there's a lot of subtleties that you'd, you'd want investigated mm-hmm. um, where, again, you, you, you get a pediatrician. And they may make a consult to, you know, a developmental pediatrician or a child psychiatrist um, to do some real further investigation. It, it would be hard for a parent to to obviously diagnose it, mm-hmm. but the parent would recognize my kid is definitely behaving in a way that is atypical. My kid is not sleeping. My mm-hmm. kid is far more irritable. My mm-hmm. kid is reacting in a way that they seem to just have this low distress tolerance where things that could have been okay before, now they just lose it and they go to a hundred mm-hmm. really quickly. Ah. So with PTSD, does that, I mean, I, I think I've suffered from PTSD because I had a health issue when I was 25 and it mimicked a stroke. It was actually an ocular migraine, but I was by myself mm-hmm. and I lost my vision. I lost my speech. I lost my side of my body. Didn't work. They took me to the hospital. I didn't know where I was. And it took me a good 10 years to kind of get through that because every right. time something happens, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is happening again. And it right. does happen. It's like a very weird form of ocular migraine where the brain gets squeezed, the blood flow for like a very small second. And I just kind of lose all my bodily sort of functions. <laughs> Um, not my bowels, but the rest of them. Um, and it, I don't know, do you ever get over PTSD or do children ever get over it? Or if it's something that's so ingrained in your mind in that specific time period and the fear that surrounds it is so great, right. it'll always be a part of you. Or does that, does that go away? So it doesn't, I, I don't want to say it goes away. What, mm-hmm. what you, what you learn if you're in treatment for uh, trauma specific recovery is how to manage it Mm -hmm. right Mm. and so classically for kids if a kid has experienced some kind of trauma Mm -hmm. there's been some form of trust and safety that's been fractured Mm -hmm. and so what does that result in kids who have problems with letting themselves be vulnerable because Mm -hmm. in order to trust someone you have to be vulnerable right so if a trauma has happened undoubtedly you might've been vulnerable in a, in a situation and not on guard. And so now you were exposed to that trauma. So now you're always on guard. And so in trauma recovery, what you're trying to help the, the child do is learn one. Yes. Recognize what the trauma was ex- mm-hmm. like be able to have a narrative around it, what your emotions are around it, how it happened to you. But then two, as you shift from being able to, acknowledge what your feelings are related to it. Now start to think about, okay, how do I move forward mm-hmm. in establishing relationships? So I'm, I'm classically thinking for kids, generally, we don't think about 
trauma in reference to like like vet vets who see mm-hmm. um, life life loss. Kids mm-hmm. tend to be more physical trauma, mm-hmm. sexual trauma in that mm-hmm. kind of nature. Um, mm-hmm. And so you want to help the person begin to develop a sense of comfort in trusting people. And so mm-hmm. that often happens in a therapeutic relationship because here's someone that you're seeing pretty regularly is not asking anything of you is listening to you. And so this is where psychotherapy can be very helpful for mm-hmm. patients that have experienced trauma, uh, particularly if the, if the therapist is trauma informed. Um, um, you know, I wanted to ask you too, we're all sort of, and Tamina and I have talked about this on the show before, you know, being in quarantine for, you know, three months and being mm-hmm. with your significant other, you know, quarantine that long as well. You know, it's, there's no doubt that you're going to be on edge sometimes. How and, many divorces are happening? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, and you'll be on edge, you know, and, and fights happen and you right. try to do the best you can do. And, and inevitably, sometimes your children are in the room when you fight, you know, yes. and they hear you scream and they hear you yell and how damaging is that for a child and what is the best way to sort of like Roxy's like asking for a friend yeah, asking yeah. for a just, friend just asking for a friend <laughs> I've heard through the grapevine <laughs> yeah, yeah. is yeah, it no, okay for kids to hear their parents yell at each other as long as there's some sort of resolution or what right so 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 I would say this pre-COVID too so yes. the, the idea is that kids obviously are going to see their parents and hear their parents, even when their parents don't think they're hearing them mm-hmm. and kids are little, little mirrors. Um, so you have to be honest about what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. So, Oh man, mommy and daddy, you know, we, we yelled and we really shouldn't have yelled and we apologize. And you have to do the overt, like mommy is, sorry that she yelled She's at daddy. PMSing. And, yeah. And daddy has to say, you know, daddy was really wrong because you have to show your kids yeah. a model of what acknowledging your emotion is as well as acknowledging when you're wrong and mm-hmm. giving forgiveness and asking for forgiveness. Because mm-hmm. if you just try to like buffer it uh-huh. and just, just, pretend like nothing happened, well, what do you think your kids are going to do when they do something wrong, right? So so if your kid breaks the plate, right? And say, oh, baby, did you break the plate? It's, I know, I'm so sorry that it happened to you. Um, I know this could be so embarrassing, um, but mommy's not mad at you, it's okay. Now, if, again, if it's, if it's the adults that are arguing, mm-hmm. Obviously, you're not going to say, oh, you know, I'm mad at dad because he liked so many pictures on Instagram. No, that's not what you would say. <laughs> you would say, oh, you know, mommy and daddy, you know, we had a really tough time today and we let our emotions get out of control, but we love each other. And you have to show that hug. You have to show that mm-hmm. kiss. You have to show that forgiveness in front of them because, again, you're modeling the behavior that you would want them to like show to their sibling or to their cousin. Um, so, so don't hide it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously if you are really arguing a lot and yelling a lot, um, again, it, it's where sometimes professional help is warranted, right? So, yeah. so there are family counselors, couple mm-hmm. counselors, um, because yeah, you don't, you don't want to model that kind of behavior and then your kid model it. And then eventually when they're back in school, they're, you know, flipping at the mouth with somebody and, and the teacher's like, where does that come from? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found it really hard after, um, my husband and I've been together for 14 years and then we had a new baby mm-hmm. after, after our first child. And you're just, you're actually in a different zone. You have not slept for six months. You are sleeping in increments. The stuff that you're thinking and saying is just out of your body experience. And I find it really difficult when there's a new baby in the house. And I don't think each person is equipped with the right tools to know how to handle each other. When women are going through such crazy hormonal ups and downs and men are feeling like they're not being taken care of in a way. And they used to be like number one and what's going on. I think we need to talk more about that. Um, not just now, but just in general, because it's a really hard time for families. And now that I'm through it, I'm like, 
thank God, like we're all good and we're happy mm-hmm. again. But I just, I worried that like, oh my gosh, have I traumatized my kids? Cause I, I was just, I was just screaming around that time, but I didn't even know why. Right. So, so again, when, when you're talking about that infancy first mm-hmm. six months, that is a trying time for the new parent <laughs> and every time it happens again, um, and what you might've noticed, I'd, I'd be curious is that whoever the older child was mm-hmm. again in that environment and that time, they probably regressed a little bit. Right. Yes. So they mm-hmm. start to see, wait a minute, how come mommy's like, mommy's bringing the, the breast back out. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. can I, can yeah, I, she would want to suck yeah, on yeah, yeah, Seriously. Right. She was like, let me taste your breast milk. I'm like, this is strange and weird. Yeah. So, so that, that regression happens and regression also happens for adults. When we're under stress, interesting. Yeah, when we're under stress, we. That's why we keep back. saying you're acting like a child. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You Didn't start to that. you start to act in ways that you had previously grown out of, but huh. the stress brings you back. So, so it's actually why if you ever go back to your parents' house, mm-hmm. I act as, like a child. Yeah, <laughs> even as a forty. You won't tell me what to do. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what's happening in those uh-huh. times of acute stress uh-huh. is you're, you're reverting back to your core stuff. As, uh-huh. as, as adults, uh-huh. we tend to mature out of the core pieces of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But when we're stressed, we go right back to it, right? So the, so the digs that your husband gave you during that time hurt far much more. Yeah. The, the, the arguments that you have are a lot easier to have because you don't have the buffer of maturity. You don't have the buffer of your frontal lobe mm-hmm. being fully intact. You're just under constant stress. So you, you, you go back to the things that allow you to survive, which is sometimes being mean, which is sometimes mm-hmm. being very direct. Like I yeah. want you to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the same, the same thing happens again, each kind of pregnancy. So again, your kids, they like, like you said, your daughter was like, can I taste it? You're like, what are you talking about? You I haven't know. had this in yeah. however many years, why, why would you want it? Right. They, they, they remember just like, again, you would remember. So that's, that's what's happening. Thank you for that. Cause I do feel like in that, in that time period, I, I acted childish and you know, I, I felt like we were kids raising kids. Yeah. Right. And your, um, hormones, you're, your hormones are raging at that point too, where it's right. like, always blame the hormones. Always. <laughs> it's the hormones fault. <laughs> I mean, hormones are raging. And then uh-huh. when you talk about sleep, sleep oh. is so mm. critical, right? Cause right now, if I just tried mm. to deprive you of sleep, eight hours of sleep, <laughs> you would be super irritable right now. You've just protracted that, or you've made that, a daily existence for you for, you know, six months, like (laughs) you're going to feel horrible. Yes. Yeah. So, so so it's really, this is why sleep training as early as possible is super critical because once you can get your kid to that point where, Oh my God, she can sleep for five hours. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I get five hours back of my life. You start, that's when, that's when the shift starts to happen and mm-hmm. there's a homeostasis that happens in the household is when the baby can sleep consistently through the night. That's so true. Yeah. This is, this is the key. <sighs> now, I, now I feel like everything makes sense and <laughs> yeah. I don't need to go get therapy. Thank you. <laughs> I know. I was oh right. I was right. <laughs> Dr. Kevin, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. I would keep talking. Please, can you come back? Yes, yes. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get so many people wanting you back. So please yes. don't be a stranger. Yeah, no, no problem. If there's we any topics, um, medical, child, psychotherapy, whatever you guys want to talk about, oh, uh, more, more than happy to, to come back. And you're in, you're in Boston. You're in Boston, yeah. yes? yes? My husband's from Boston, from West End. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> yes. I'm from Boston, originally from Brooklyn, New York. Oh, nice. And, um, so, so home of the Yankees. Um, oh, so, so not a Patriots fan then, huh? No, no, no. Roxy's <laughs> like, goodbye, goodbye. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm from Texas. I'm a Cowboys fan. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm from Australia. I'm like, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> like AFL, Australian football, what? <laughs> hey, Dr. Kevin, where can people find you? Yeah, so people can find me online um, at Dr. K.M. Simon. Um, that's my Instagram. That's my Twitter um, at my website, kevinsimonmd.com. Um, people can reach out to me uh, if they want to you know, ask me any questions. 
Amazing. And you can find us on Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. Reach, and rate, subscribe, and comment. Do all of it and share and talk and yes. make us number one. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. No pressure. And we are Women, Women on Top. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.